0: Well, it's, uh, it's great to see your faces. I wasn't too sure how many would turn up. So thanks for braving the weather, and it's, uh, it's awesome to see you. Uh, it's always a real honour for me to, to share the word to the house, and today's no different. Um, yeah, so thanks for uh, giving me a crowd to speak to. That's great. Um, you know, Veronica and I live in the uh, Blue Mountains, and uh, that's lovely. Uh, we live in Springwood. We love it. We've lived there for over 20 years now. And uh, there's lots of really great things about living in the mountains. And there's a couple of things that aren't really negatives but they're just not as positive. <laughs> okay, yeah, because uh, there's pretty well everything's great living there. But you know, one of those would be that, um, quite often we have a wallaby that comes up in our backyard and uh, wallabies are lovely, they look pretty, don't they? Yeah, they're awesome. But when they eat all your protea flowers off your protea tree, that's not very funny. <laughs> or eat all your apples off your apple tree uh, and just wreck your garden. It's not that fun. It's pretty for a little bit, you know. But another thing that we have, once again, it's animals, but is possums. I know there's possums everywhere in, in Sydney, but uh, when you live in a whole pile of trees around you, there's more possums. And possums can be a nuisance. They honestly can. If you've ever had one in your roof, you'd know what I'm talking about. We often have possums around our house and find, uh, you know, find them in little milks and crannies around our house. And uh, a few years ago, I was, um, I was at home, I wasn't feeling well, I wasn't sick but I wasn't feeling that great so I thought I'm going to have a day home today, I was home by myself and uh, I'm walking around the yard. I don't do um, resting well, anyone who's hung out with me knows that I'm a high energy person, I really don't sit still ever and it annoys Veronica sometimes. And, uh, and so I'm, I'm at home, supposed to be sort of resting but I was walking around the yard and I'm thinking, I'm going to just chop some trees back, like just do some gardening. That's not that strenuous. It still didn't feel great. And I walk into the area that we have under our house where I have all my garden tools. And uh, I walk in and I can smell possum, all right? And now you're going to say, what does that smell like? If you've smelled it, you understand what possums smell like. And I thought, I've got a possum in here somewhere. So I'm sort of looking for him. And it didn't mean I was going to shield him away, but I'm just saying, where is he? I'm looking, and then I find him. And he's underneath the shelf that I have all my chainsaws on and he's dead. He's on the bottom shelf. And i oh, mean, mm, it's not good. So I so thought, what am I going to do? So I went inside. I put some proper clothes on. and Not that I was working in the yard but not proper clothes on. I hate proper clothes on. But <laughs> work clothes. And, uh, and I put some work clothes on. I came back out. I had a really strong coffee. Juiced myself up. And I uh, moved everything off. Moved the shelf. Got the shovel. You know, And I thought, do I bury him? Not feeling the best to do that. So I just put him in a double bagged him, threw him in the bin. <laughs> Done, right? And I'm sure you're wondering, why did Stuart tell that story? That seems dumb. I, I did that to ask a couple of questions of you. They're rhetorical, so please don't answer them out loud. But yeah, why did I not just wait till Veronica came home? To tell her, hey, there's a dead possum. Why did I not Ask my adult children whether they could deal with the issue or the problem. Why did I not just go, oh, I didn't see that. (laughs) And I'm out of here. And I'm not going to, just forget the gardening. I'm going back inside and watching TV. Why did I, not do that, why did I do what I did? And I'll answer it for you. I think responsibility would be the answer to that. It's my responsibility. Uh, I saw it. Uh, I know it's there. Uh, I should do something about it. It's in my capabilities to do it. It's my house, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's my responsibility, and I, I think that uh, I'm stirred with this year's vision, with Pastor Jack, when he's talking about oh, well, a thousand days is more than a year, but a thousand days, a thousand people in the kingdom, and I, I was just thinking about this: that what's my responsibility yeah. with that? Yeah. I have people in my life that don't know Jesus. What's my responsibility? Do I pretend that I don't know that? Yeah. Do I stick in my bubble? and just stick in my lane and don't worry about it? Do I ask someone else to do it? Do I wait till Veronica does it and say, hey, you know these people, you should go talk to them about Jesus? Or do I take on responsibility myself? To say, you know what? I'm going to. I can do this. It's in my capability. And I think that uh, Jesus is asking that of us as well. If we look in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, it's a verse we all know. I'm pretty sure every verse I'm going to use today everyone knows. But, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I love this passage, you know. Um, Obviously, we are a church that loves sharing the gospel, we are a church that is passionate about discipleship. Um, But I love how it says, go into the different nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So we're making disciples. But I love how it says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. I think the command that he's giving us is go and make more disciples. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously the disciples here that he's actually speaking to went and did it, and that's why we're here today. Yeah. You know, so they've done it. They saw the responsibility that Jesus was asking them. He's asking us the same responsibility today. Yeah. Yeah. I love it teach these new disciples to obey all the commands i have given you to go make disciples what else did he tell us in Matthew 22 it's not going to come up on the screen but the Pharisees were trying to trick him and they asked him about the commandments of Moses the 12 commandments and the ongoing ones they made from that and they said which is the most important one and he said well the number one or the most important one would be love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul and all your mind and the second one is equally as important love your neighbor like yourself all the other commandments will come under these two how awesome is that? Yeah. So he's asking us to go make disciples. He's asking us to love the Lord God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul. So be a mm-hmm. disciple of Jesus. Be a disciple of God, yeah? And to love people. Yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, if we love people and we notice that they're underneath the shelf needing some di- something different, yeah? If we notice that they're not with Jesus, then I should feel stirred yeah. Yeah. to go, this is my responsibility. Yeah. Jesus has asked me yeah. to do this. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I've called my my sermon today, Open to Discipleship, going on Pastor Jack's theme of open. Because for me to make disciples, I need to be open to be a disciple myself. Let me just pray as we start. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Lord, that you've changed our lives. We thank you that we're different because we know you. We just ask that we will be stirred today, Lord God, to know what's our position, what's our place, Lord God, in in what you would want us to do, Lord God about bringing people to you. Lord, we love you today, in your name, amen. Um, I have a favorite verse, I share it every time I preach. So, I'm sorry if you're gonna, oh, what's he doing again? Uh, but 2 Corinthians 5.17, I say it every time I preach, and uh, I, I memorized it in the NLT version, but it says, for those who belong to Jesus, they've become a new creation. The old life is gone and a new life begins. I love it, a new life begins. This is a verse that keeps coming to me all the time when I've stuffed up or when I'm not going that great. Knowing that my old life is gone and my new life is still happening doesn't mean that my new life's finished. It began then when Jesus started to change my life and he's continued to change my life. I'm sure that there's many people here that would say something similar. I wanna read it in the um, Good News translation, but I wanna read a bit further because I think it fits into what we're talking about today. And so I think it'll come up on the screen. It says, anyone who is joined to Christ is a new being. The old is gone, the new has come, all this was done by God, who, through Christ, changed us from his enemies into his friends and gave us the task of making others his friends also. Yeah. Our message is that God was making all human beings his friends through Christ. God did not keep an account of their sins, and he has given us the message which tells how he makes them his friends. I'm going to keep reading in a second, but I just love that. Anyone who's joined to Christ, is there anyone here that's joined to Christ today? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Well, you're a new being. The old life has gone and a new life has come here. All this was done, I love it, by God. I didn't do anything about it. Yes, I made a decision to follow Jesus, but I couldn't change my life. God's changing my life. And he did, he, he, he did what he had to do, he was by sending Christ, yeah? So, but I love how it says, and he gave us the task of making others his friends also. I love it. So yes, we talked about commands that he's giving. Yeah, I want to do that. I want the responsibility. But he's given me a task to do. I love it. To make other people his friends because I'm already his friend. And as we keep reading in verse 20, it says, Here we are then, speaking for Christ, as though God himself was making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf. Let God change you from enemies into his friends. There's a big exclamation mark there. I love it. Christ was without sin, but for our sake God made Him share our sin in order that in union with Him, because we're united with Him, we might share the righteousness of God. What a beautiful passage. Yeah. I think it really, to me, just echoes in what it's all about. Yeah. I'm God's friend. I'm Jesus' friend. I want people to be His friend also. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to step off the stage here because I'm going to give a practical examin- uh, not examination, example. Yeah. This is my <laughs> This is my friend, Andrew. Oh, hey, no, he really is my friend. I've got lots of friends in the crowd here. I could choose anyone, so don't get upset if I didn't choose you, okay? But this is my friend Andrew from work. And uh, you know what, Andrew doesn't know Jesus, but I do. And uh, we've been together for a little bit. We haven't hung out after work. And uh, we've spent some time together, done a little bit of life. We've walked the journey together. But Andrew doesn't know Jesus, like I said. And we're at work one day and he says, hey, I'm really struggling to find a really good mechanic, you know." Trustworthy one, I keep getting ripped off. People do dodgy stuff all the time. I'm sick of it. And I start going, oh, um, hey, I happen to have a friend. You, you're still my friend? <laughs> <laughs> I may not be after this. All right, <laughs> this is my friend, James. And I'm talking to Andrew at work. And I mean, I know a guy who's really trustworthy. He's actually an awesome mechanic. He's been a mechanic for years. I've never heard anyone say anything bad about him as a mechanic, so why would I not suggest to Andrew, hey, let me introduce you to my friend, man, I know he's going to be able to help your problem, he's going to to help your issue out here, I promise you, and you know what, he's even so good, not only can he fix your car, but mate, he's going to make you a cheese board, chopping board, <laughs> mate, a table, whatever, because if you know him, man, he makes awesome wood stuff, Don't ask him about wood, man, you'll be talking to him for hours, we have hour-long conversations about wood, he and I, and well, you know what, even if you're into fitness, and I'm telling you, he's the fittest guy I know. Man, he could teach you how to, to run 100 kilometers through the bush, tell you what to eat, when to stop. He could tell you all that stuff. Man, I'm telling you, he's amazing. And I'm only telling you a snippet of what I know. Fair income, all those things are fair income about James if you know him. There's a whole pile more things that I even know about him and I'm sure Alison knows even more. Okay? <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. But why would I not, if this is my friend at work and he's got a few things going on, why would I not tell him, hey, I've got a guy in my life who could help you out? Good, yes. yeah. Yeah. Turn that around and talk about Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. So if I'm talking to my friend at work, who we do some life together? And why would I not be talking about my friend Jesus who can actually probably answer some of his questions? Yeah. Maybe not me, but maybe Jesus can. Because yeah. I don't really want anyone to answer his questions. I want Jesus to answer them. I want him to come to know Jesus. Why would I not introduce him and say what Jesus has done in my life and what I know about Jesus? Mm. You know, um, I, I have a, uh, mm. I'm going to read a passage in, in Acts Acts 8: 26 to 40. And this is one of my favorite passages. I know I said 2 Corinthians 5.70 is my favorite verse, but for some reason, Philip and the Ethiopian story comes up in my life a lot. It really speaks to me about discipleship, yes. doing a journey with someone, yes. and friendship. And uh, so I'm going to read it, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. Acts 826 26 to 40 says, As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, And he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning, seated in his carriage. He was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked him, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he was reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with that same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself further north into the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. What a beautiful story. I love this passage because to me, really talks about, I love how Philip is a, a really uh, God-led person. And if I want to be a good disciple, if I want to um, be a good disciple maker, I need to be led by the Lord. I need to actually step out. I need to allow him to speak to me because he might want to change stuff in me. Um, I, I really like Philip because the first time we, see, we read about Philip is early on in Acts. And when there's a whole pile of number joining the new church, the early church, because Jesus has gone up to heaven, disciples are sharing their faith. Uh, Many people are coming and uh, they decide that they're going to appoint um, other leaders or deacons or whatever you want to call them. But Philip is one of those guys that gets appointed that way. Then as persecution happens to the church, Philip decides he's going to go to Samaria and start his own church. He starts sharing the good news about God. Miraculous things are happening. Uh, People are being uh, healed and all this sort of stuff. So he runs a great church. Even to the point that Peter and John come to see him. Because they've heard about how good it is and they lay hands on everyone and the Holy Spirit comes, which they're amazed at, that the Holy Spirit went on Gentiles. Yeah? yeah. yeah. Or, yeah. And, and so, and then they go back all the way to Jerusalem preaching the, and the good news about Jesus as well. And then we pick up our story here. So as for Philip, an angel of the Lord says to him, go south down a desert road. And it just says, so he started out. That, that really... Um, it amazes me. It's got a good thing going. Lots of people, amazing things are happening. It wasn't if it was a dud church, really hard, man, I'm struggling. No, good things are happening, even to the fact that his superiors came to check it out. Yeah. And God says to him, Hey, mate, go down this road, the desert road. And he goes, Yeah, okay, cool. Man, I don't know if that challenges me because I'm not that spirit led. That's a tough yeah, That's a tough thing. You know, to, oh, I'm going to leave everything that's good yeah. and pretty cruisy uh, to go, where, God? I don't know. Yeah. Some of, I, know that I would always go, God, tell me more. Um, who else is going with me? But he doesn't do that. He just goes. And I love his attitude. I love his uh, willingness to follow the lead of the Lord. This is what a good disciple does. And I love it. As he's on the journey, that's when God gives him more instruction. He's already walking down the road the carriage goes past. and know we just heard about all that the Ethiopian was, but the carriage goes past and he just says, go over and walk beside the carriage. I'm going to tell you, this is a discipleship key, like nothing else. Yeah. Go alongside. Yeah. Walk by the carriage. Walk by this person's life. Yeah. Yeah. I just talked about my mate at work who doesn't know Jesus, but I do life with him. Is that not walking alongside someone? Is that not getting close? Another translation, get close to the carriage. I want to get close to him. Why? Because I like hanging out with him. Maybe Philip was going. Oh, thank goodness, someone else to. There's someone else on this desert road. I don't know. But, but sometimes I think God even opens up opportunities for us in a work situation, to just be randomly with this other guy who we start talking about stuff. Or, you know, I, I'm involved in other things other than church, obviously. And sometimes I've been with people had the most significant conversations just because we've done a little bit of life together, and hung out with each other. And uh, this is a real key. If you got a, a passion on your heart to get your friends saved. Walk alongside them a little bit. Yeah, that's it. Get close to them. And I love it, it, says, Philip ran over and heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah. F- um, Philip asked, do you understand what you are reading? Why could he hear him reading the Bible? Because he was close to him, right? Yeah. You couldn't have heard him from a distance. So you've got to get close. And say, like, what's this person, what's their thoughts? What's the, what are they thinking about? What do they talk about? Who are they? And I love it how Philip asks questions. Do you understand what you're reading, right? This is how the conversation's going. And I want to tell you, that's another key. When you close to someone, ask him questions. Yeah. How come you think like that? How come this happens that way? I, I, I was having a conversation with someone a, a little while back at work, and um, we're just chatting because we know each other and we've known each other for a long time, but uh, I have my third son, uh, Cody, is my apprentice. And, and so, he actually was asking him, oh, are you enjoying it, whatever, having a chat. And then Cody had gone to the car, and there was just me and the guy, and he goes, oh, I wish my son knew what he wanted to do. Because Cody had said, I've wanted to be an electrician since I was 12, so, you know, I, it was easy. And if I didn't work with my dad, I would have still got a job, yeah? He would have tried it somewhere else. And, and so he said, I wish my son knew what he wanted to do. Man, and I, and I said, "What does he like doing? And he goes, oh, I don't know. And I said, how come you don't know what your son wants to do? And he goes, well, I guess I don't spend much time with him. So we're having this deep conversation about him and his son. And I didn't talk about Jesus, but I did start talking about my kids and, all, and my three children that aren't at school anymore have jobs, and they're jobs that they've always wanted to do. So we we'll start talking about purpose and stuff like that. And this guy goes, you know what, you've challenged me today. I'm going to go home and spend time with my son. Yeah, like- Hallelujah. That's... That's a win in itself. I'm believing that he's gonna know Jesus as well and take it to the whole next level. But it's conversations like that, that almost seem impromptu, but if you're being led by the Lord, if it's on your heart, because you feel the responsibility to lead people that way, then why would you not look for those opportunities to say, oh, hey, can we have a chat? Man, I'm about to have a coffee break. You wanna have a coffee too? We'll have a chat, we'll have a talk. Or, you know, I really believe, you you know that I'm a Christian and I really believe stuff. Can I pray for you today? That's happened to me many times. So I love it. And then this is the bit that I love. The event says, how can I understand what I'm reading unless someone instructs me and he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him? I love it. There's an an openness to come in now, come in. Because he asked him questions, because he's walked a bit of the journey, now he's invited in to this guy's world. I love it. To me, that's a real discipleship key too. Walking alongside, asking some questions and waiting for that time to be invited into the world. Man, then you can actually start to then really talk about the deeper issues and talk about the deeper things in their heart. <clears throat> I love it how, uh, as we read further on, obviously that passage is about Jesus. We know that was a, a, a prophecy about him. But I love how that now the eunuch's asking Philip questions. Now he's in his world. And that happens. How come... How come your wife still, uh, you're still with your wife? How come uh, your kids actually like you? Um, how do you get your kids to love going to church? What, what do you do to make them go there? I've been asked that question, honestly. I, I have adult children, three of them that serve in, in the youth, and I've been asked, how, do, how did you make your kids get to that, do that? I, mean, I didn't make my kids do anything. I just allowed them, and thank goodness we have an awesome kids program, yeah. and a youth, that, that want them to walk with Jesus themselves it's not my Christianity that they're, well, it's their own. They've actually loved Jesus, you know? But that opens up a whole other conversation, doesn't it, yeah? <clears throat> and I love how it says, as I wrote along, um, i say, so he began, sorry, with that same scripture and Philip told him the good news about Jesus. So he didn't really flick past the answer. Someone's been thinking, oh, don't worry about that. Uh, let me tell you about something else. He started with that exact scripture, where the guy's at, and brought Jesus into it. I really think that's a discipleship key too. That I, I know if, if, if I'm walking alongside people, whether they've been a Christian for a while or not, I don't want them to, to get some wisdom from me because I'm not that wise. I want them to get wisdom from Jesus himself, yeah? And that's why I want to help them, hey, I'm, I'm happy to be on the journey with you as God yeah. starts to talk to you, as he starts to reveal things to you. I, I know that's it's gonna be a whole lot more powerful if Jesus tells them the answers than, than I do, honestly. And so I wanna start with exactly where they're at and bring Jesus into the situation. Talk about Jesus and how, maybe he's even, how he's changed my life or how Jesus answered that question for me. could be a way. And I, I love it as it says, as they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? And he ordered the carriage to stop and they went down and, uh, to the water and Philip baptized him. It's funny, but we don't really know. It just says that Philip told him the good news about Jesus. That's the end of the paragraph. And then it's, oh, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? Yeah. Well, obviously, one of the things that he talked about with the good news about Jesus is with baptism. Yes. We don't know how long the conversation was. We don't know what really got said. But it goes from telling you about Jesus to, hey, here's some water. Why can't I be baptized? I love it. So it's all part of the discipleship journey, isn't it? I know that Belinda said there's some baptisms next week. Hallelujah. It's going to be great. What an awesome night. If you've ever been when we've done it, it's awesome. But to me, that's actually really saying um, that's where the discipleship sort of starts. You've loved Jesus. You go into the waters of baptism, man, everything's changing, yeah? I, I love it. There's actually, uh, I don't know, is it on the screen? Oh, okay, so in the passage, it's funny, but it goes from verse 36 to 38. It's not going to come up? Maybe not. If you are reading in your Bible, I'm sure the first 37's not there. It's kind of one of those, uh, it happens a few times in the Bible, um, but usually, was it on there? Yeah. yeah, but usually 37's down in the footnote down the bottom, and I, I love it. And it says uh, something along the lines, depending on what translation you got, but I believe that, the, that Jesus is the son of God. That's what the, that's what the Ethiopian says to him. And uh, he says, well, I can baptize you, man. And I love it. The declaration from the person's own heart. Hey, I'm not just believing it because you are. I'm believing it myself. I believe that Jesus is the son of God. And that he died for me. I love it. And you know, as the, the team comes up, I just want to, Finished by praying over us. I hope you've been stirred today. I've been re-stirred myself, but I just hope you've been stirred to know that there is responsibility on us from Jesus. That he loves being our friend and I hope that you love being his friend. So why would I not share with my friend who doesn't know him about him? And I hope you've been stirred today about discipleship, walking a journey with people, asking some questions. And, and you don't have to it's not too much stress on the questions. Let Jesus lead you with what questions to ask. They're not that hard. I ask you all the time, how come you think like that all the time? And let people talk. Most of the time, you don't have to ask that many questions because people like talking about themselves. It's their favourite topic. It's my favourite topic anyway. And, um, and I, yeah, I'd have to say, I hope that you feel stirred about that, that you would. Walk alongside, close to someone and ask questions uh, and steer them towards Jesus. Bring Jesus into every situation you have. Let me pray over you today. Lord Jesus, we do love you. I thank you that you've changed my life and you've changed many people's lives here, Lord God. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your authority. I thank you for your, your stirring, Lord, and I thank you, Holy Spirit that you speak to us. I ask, Lord, as we have situations and opportunities, uh, not only over this next week, but ongoing, Lord God, that you would really stir us, Lord, to, uh, to bring you into the situation. We ask, Lord, that we would have many, many stories of changed lives through you, And Lord, we just praise you today and we give you all the honour that you deserve, Jesus, in your name. Amen.